Welcome to the Heart Hearth Earth podcast, where we gather around the metaphorical hearth to share ideas and conversations on matters of the heart, hearth and earth. Cross-pollinating as we span our wings, connecting the threads of ancestral wisdom. I believe ancestral wisdom provides a roadmap to a regenerative culture, contributing to thriving communities, healing and health. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians where I stand, the Biripai people, and all other First Nations people across this land. Okay, so just going to do um, a few little corrections before you jump into the podcast. It's about St. John's Wort, um, which I introduced, but upon listening back, I realised that I said... Um, that I harvested it this year and I'm recording and releasing in 2023. I meant last year um, in late spring. And then also I say the little red buds and when I'm talking about the IDing, and I don't mean the little red buds because it has a yellow flower, which I touch on, I mean the little buds that will excrete red. So that will all make sense. Jump in, enjoy the podcast. Hey everyone, I thought I'd jump on and do a podcast that I've been thinking about doing for a couple of months Um, and I'm going to start doing more of these. So I'm going to do a single herb podcast and talk about my experience with them. So it might be foraging or growing and then harvesting and drying, processing and then making into products. So I'm going to keep these episodes pretty short. I'm going to try to. (laughs) Um, and then I'm going to put links to some of my other favorite podcasts about these herbs because often there's, um, yeah, really great long podcasts that go into more detail. And if you're like me, I like to, um, listen to the same content over and over to help it sink in, but often there's a different angle or, or a slightly different experience with that herb from other herbalists that have been working with these herbs for many, many years. So today's um, episode is going to be about St. John's wort, otherwise known as Hypericum perforatum. Um, So St. John's wort is of European origin and it's known to flower in Europe and in some areas of the United States where it grows um, and possibly other areas of the world where it's been introduced from Europe around summer solstice. But here where I live in New South Wales, it grows primarily on the western side of the Great Dividing Range. So I'm on the east coast, so that means as you go inland and over the mountain range into the um, drier areas, um, that St. John's wort has spread and is classified now as an invasive weed, especially around pasture lands and the edge, edges of pasture lands. And here where I live and have foraged St. John's wort, it starts to flower earlier than summer solstice. So what I observed is that it starts to flower around Beltane, so otherwise known as Beltane, but the actual pronunciation um, is Beltane, Beltane, in an Irish, beautiful Gaelic, Irish Gaelic accent that I am not going to attempt. Um, I've covered that in other posts, so you can scroll back and I talk about Beltane. Um, and the other way to remember that is, um, so Beltane is usually around 
the 1st of November, my understanding. Um, and obviously the day before that is the 30, 31st of October, which is Halloween. Um, so you can think of it either way around Halloween or All Souls Day and um, here in the Southern Hemisphere, that's Beltane. Um, so that's late spring. And either way, the the common um, traditional folklore of St. John's War is that it carries the energy of the sun. So obviously being summer solstice in Europe and Northern America, I believe. Um, but here in late spring, it's already usually starting to get quite warm and you're feeling that summer is just on your doorstep. So either way, it does have that energy of the sun. It's got a beautiful bright yellow flower. Um, you can see the lightness of the sun energy that's coming through that and your strong connection to what the sun brings to us. And as we um, explore this herb a bit more, you'll see how that kind of manifests in its actual medicinal properties. But first I'll just do a quick little ID. Um, so to ID the yellow flower, um, or yeah, to ID the flower, it is a small yellow flower with five petals, multiple stamens, the leaves um, are opposing or opposite. It's often talked about, which means on the stem, they don't actually have a stem, the leaf, but where they come off the main stem, they are directly opposite each other. They don't alternate. So sometimes you'll see leaves that's like a step down, but they're actually opposite each other. And they're oblong, which doesn't mean square oblong. It means like leaf-shaped oblong, thin, about one to two centimetres in length and roughly five millimetres across, maybe give or take. Um, and the leaves are a really important aspect of IDing St. John's Wort because they've got little spots of glandular tissue on them that when you pick a leaf and you hold it up to the light, they're slightly translucent. You can see the light coming through. They can still look dark, but you can see that they've got these little glandular um, spots and dots on them. So that's a really good way to ID it. Um, I'm going to tell a little story in a minute also about my experience this year with foraging. Um, then I'm going to cover the medicinal properties and uses of St. John's wort in oil. So I'm going to cover this herb from the um, perspective of making an oil or a balm from it. I'm not going to discuss too in depth the internal. I'll touch on that. Um, okay, and so... For harvesting, what you want is when the St. John's wort is just starting to flower so that you can see um, the, the bloomed flower for IDing, but most of the flowers are still in tight buds. That is the ideal time. And this is because another way to ID it is when you pick the closed buds and you squeeze them between your fingers, you will get a red oily substance. And this is actually the medicinal um, component hypericin, which is where the Latin name hypericum comes from. Um, and while we're touching on the Latin name, obviously, perforatum is to do with the perforations in the leaf. So we've got hypericum or hypericum, um, perforatum. And often the Latin name will hint to something. It'll either hint to the history or the folklore or the actual appearance of the herb. And in this case, it's um, about the medicinal components and the appearance. There's also links to the Greek word 
possibly um, hyper to mean hang because the herb was hung um, traditionally around the house for protection. Um, yeah, so you can look into that more. I'm not going to go too in depth into that. So yeah, you want to squeeze the little red buds to see if there's the red oil and that's the medicinal um, component and you won't really get that same intense red um, excretion once the flower has opened completely. So it's okay if there's some flowers, but you want most to be in tight buds. And it's, so in that sense, it's a really um, short window of time. You've got to be watching very closely for this herb. Um, and luckily it's a herbaceous uh, perennial, which means it, it just keeps living, but it flowers once a year around that summer solstice or um, Beltane time. So you do need to get to know your particular area um, and your climate to know when St. John's wort is going to flower for you or just starts flowering. So ideally you live nearby and you can be observing it. But if you're like me, I live on the coast and I have to travel inland to find it. You do need to get to know that timing and then get lucky, which I did this year. So I'll tell that story in a minute. Um, and so it's also the type of plant that you need to process fresh. So for making oil, you can let the plant wilt for a day or two, but you don't want it to dry out. So you, by wilting, I mean, you can just have it hanging or sitting somewhere where some of the moisture is going to evaporate, but not too much. You don't want it to be a dried herb. Um, and that can actually help to let it wilt for a day or so. Um, and then you need to make the oil with the fresh herb. So you, it's not one that you can harvest lots and lots and lots of, dry it up, jar it up, and then make batches throughout the year um, as far as making the oil. So it's really a seasonal product, and I really love that about St. John's Wort. So now I'll tell my little story about, <clears throat> excuse me, about going on a road trip and finding foraging and then processing um, this beautiful plant, St. John's Wort. So um, this year, just before Halloween, Beltane, I organised a road trip to visit a dear friend of mine, Holly Holster, who I've shared some of her work and art and who's hopefully going to be on the podcast soon to share another exciting project that she has in the works um, with her good friend Christy from Heartwood Healing, so Holly Holster Heart. So keep an eye out for that. They've got a, a joint project together and we're going to chat about that soon. So I was going to visit my friend Holly, um, um, a beautiful close friend of mine and with my daughters and her daughters and um, we're really excited. So we're going on a road trip and I thought, oh, well, if I can time it for when St. John's Wort should be starting to flower I'll just do a scout around and I might have to come back but hopefully I get lucky and I can do a harvest this time and that had come off the back of a couple of years of being um, having gone out west and seen it but seen it too late or um, I didn't have access to getting lots of it or I just didn't really know what to do originally so this has got this has actually been a process of years um, from when I first discovered the herb when I lived in country Victoria and hearing about it that was the first seed that was planted in my 20s and then it was you know many many years later I'm 41 now um, over the last few years that I, I started to learn more about it and actually go to the country where it grows and observe it. But it took years until I was really ready 
to harvest a decent amount and make a product from it. So I think that's a good reminder that um, sometimes we want to do things really quickly and, and sometimes that's okay and sometimes that works really well and, you know, you, you just jump on something, you've got an idea and an inspiration and you get well um, educated about it and you make it happen. That can sometimes happen really quickly and then other times it's more a slow um, gradual process and that's been my story with St John's Wort and that actually feels really beautiful about it so I feel like I've got a quite a deep understanding of the plant now but yet I still have so much more to learn about it by working closely with the oil myself and with clients. So off I went on a road trip um, with my girls and to cross the Great Dividing Range from where I live, there's multiple ways you can do that. So I thought, oh, let's go north first and we'll go up and over the range that way and have a look and then we'll come back south. So we'll sort of do a circuit, the similar time frames, slightly different country, but that way we get to see different landscape and um, I can scope out other plants for foraging too and just make it a little bit more interesting. So off I went and crossed over and as I came into the small, tiny rural town where my friend lived, um, she's since moved, but where she was living at the time, I was scouting, scouting, scouting. And the thing is with St. John's Wort, there is so many yellow flowers blooming on the edge lands of pastures at this time of year. So when you're looking from afar, you you can't see, you're just looking for the yellow flower. And so I was pulling over and checking, no, that's not it. No, that's not it. Um, and I was starting to get a little bit fatigued by this thinking, oh, maybe it just doesn't grow here. Um, or maybe I just haven't struck the right time or the right area. And so I went and I spent a few days, um, with my friend and her daughters and my daughters, and we had Halloween, and then we had Beltanay, and then it was time to go home. And so I left <laughs> and went past the same rows. And this time I saw a new area with some yellow flowers that had just been green weeds from afar as I was driving past. Um, and so I pulled over. <laughs> and there is actually, I haven't been able to ID, but there's another plant with a very similar flower to St. John's wort, but different, very different leaves that grows around it. And that often happens that you get mimic plants growing near each other or they, they function in a, they've had a similar evolution and function. So of course they're going to grow in similar environments at a similar time of year. Um, so I, originally pulled over and found a lookalike. I was like, oh, the flower was so, so similar. Um, but the leaf was very, very different. So that's why it's so important to get to know a plant by many, many factors. You want to know the flower well, you want to know the leaf, you want to know its growth habit, like how it grows, whether it spoils, whether it goes up, how high, what the stem's like, the leaf pattern, um, all of those sorts of things that I've shared earlier. And then I found another patch and I jumped out and sure enough, <laughs> it was St. John's Wort and there was a lovely big stretch. It was far enough off the road and it was actually a very quiet road. It wasn't a main road um, that I wasn't worried about truck fumes and it was far enough from the paddocks that I... Um, wasn't worried about spraying. I could see that there was so many other things growing around there, um, that this had just been leaf. Um, I mean, wind spread seed that had spread this possibly from pastures. 
because it is an invasive weed, um, it is sprayed quite extensively in pastures. So when you're foraging, you do need to think about where you're getting it from. Um, that wouldn't have been sprayed. Now, I no one's going to be using extensive amounts of um, glyphosate on edge lands unless they're worried about that getting into their paddocks. But I could tell that this area, that wasn't an issue. Um, so what I would like, if anyone's listening or knows anyone, is access to land holders who have a St. John's wort problem and they have areas that haven't been sprayed with Roundup or glyphosate or whatever herbicides being used for St. John's wort um, they may have sprayed other areas of the land, but not this particular area. And they want me to come out and do a mass harvest. Please contact me, message me. And, um, yeah, I'll happily come out and spend a few days cutting back that area just before it flowers. So there's no chance of reseeding. And then they can, you know, let me come back each year if they don't want to be, if they're organic, maybe they're an organic farm and they are looking at alternative types of land management they might be doing other integrated approaches and part of that could be me coming to harvest um so yeah i'd love a contact to come from this podcast that would be amazing um because i would like to develop a relationship with an area that i could come back year after year and so i was so lucky and i really it felt um really beautiful and like synchronicity that I hadn't seen it on the way in, but on the way out, just after Beltonet, it was the perfect timing. Um, there was a couple of flower buds complete, flowers completely open and most of it was flower buds. So this was perfect. I squeezed it. Yep, red. Yep, the leaves had perforation. Uh, and I just knew. I knew for sure this was it. And there was a lovely long stretch. So I pulled over and I harvested as much as I could without... Um, damaging the supply so this is an interesting part of foraging and it it is a double-edged sword because landholders are eradic trying to eradicate this weed they will never eradicate but they're trying to so from one side of the coin someone might say take it all don't leave any seeds don't leave any flowers like be a part of the land management and then the other side of the ethics of foraging is to not take it all and to let it be so I tried to strike somewhere in between um and I didn't completely decimate this patch this it would definitely be able to regenerate um and yet I did take a majority of the flower buds knowing that I could see this was a grazing area and that that landowner I could almost guarantee did not want St John's wort growing on the edge of um their pasture lands even though it wasn't really really close because the wind can carry it and I guess that's just a personal um, position that each person foraging will have to work out depending on where they are, if they're dealing with a landowner or whether they're on um, like edge lands. And yeah, I think that's definitely up for discussion and something to consider when foraging. So, but that's my story. It was so beautiful. It was like, it felt like magic. <laughs> all my Christmases, all my Beltonets had come at once. Um, all my solstices had come at once because I'd been dreaming up this idea of going on this trip and a part of that trip being to be able to come back. I even took olive oil with me because I infuse into lovely cold-pressed virgin Australian olive oil, which feels um, appropriate because 
the type of climate that olives grow well in is very similar and the same as the climate that St. John's wort grows in. I've thought about infusing in coconut oil. Um, there's a few problems there that if the coconut oil goes hard, it's going to be hard to shake. You'd have to keep heating the oil. It would probably have a, a more vibrant red if I did that. I don't use industrial seed oils, so they're not an option for me. A lot of those generic massage oils. I also like the idea that someone could take this internally if they wanted to under guidance. So olive oil is a lovely edible oil. Um, and tallow would be hard too because you want the oil to stay liquid and um yeah so i choose olive oil that's my choice and it's something that i can access quality oil of in australia and all through the mediterranean mediterranean regions um where olive oil has grown traditionally it was used on the skin and for medicine we often get these really strict categories in our head of what's food what's for skin, what's not, and it's really not that way. Um, so then um, I didn't make the oil straight away because I was heading home, but I thought if I found it on the way there, I brought big jars and the olive oil with me because I would have been making it at my friend's house. Um, I also use a really powerful oil powerful method that I picked up from Camille McBride and listening to Amber Magnolia Hills podcast and um, also Camille and um, their content on social media and their websites um, and I will put the links up so you can check them out. I use a, a process where I use um, the alcohol that I use, really beautiful, filtered, high-quality alcohol um, that I use to make tinctures, I actually coat the herb that I'm going to make the oil with most of the time, not all the time, with this alcohol. So you're not sitting it in it like a tincture, you're just sort of coating it so it's wet with it. Um, and this helps to extract some of the medicinal qualities and it creates a stronger more potent product but also a longer living oil because oils can go rancid um, and then I add the oil and then I blend the herb within the oil and I let it sit for at least six weeks and I stir that um, and over that time you will see the beautiful deep red hypericin come out in the oil that's what you want to see um, mine because the olive oil is quite green it's a real dark maroon sort of color and when you take it out of the bottle it even looks a bit brownish but I will put photos up of the oil and you want pretty much as much herb as you can get saturated in the olive oil without having to worry about too much of the herb coming to the surface but you can like when you make a ferment you can weight the herb under the olive oil take that out and shake it you also don't want dry pockets so you want the oil completely saturated through the herb but you don't want just like a handful of herb and then two liters or a liter of oil you really need a strong strong ratio of herb to oil um and so the way i do that is to just look at it and make sure that the oil the herb, yeah the oil is saturating the herb and that the jar is loosely but very full in the jar and then pour the oil over so if it's too dense you can't shake it if there's not enough in there it's not going to be strong enough um so that's what i do and then you strain it out 
and at the end you've got this beautiful dark red oil um and when you hold a bottle up to the light you shouldn't be able to see through that oil. It should be so strong that it's so dark that you can't see through. Um, yeah, it's just amazing. It's alchemy. It's magic. <laughs> um, and so using that method, I get a long-lasting oil as well that won't go rancid and stop moulds and things like that. So um, it's medicinal uses are um, externally in oil is overall nervous system relaxant, nerve relaxant, nerve damage, oh, it treats nerve damage and nerve pain. Um, it's an antiviral, especially for the herpes complex family. So think cold sores, shingles, that sort of thing. I make um, just, I sell just a pure oil, but I also make a tallow balm with it. So I'm mixing the beautiful red oil with tallow and tallow is a great nourishing oil for our skin i use um beef local beef fat and yeah make up that tallow and then mix it in tallow has a history of being medicinal and would be great for anyone suffering cold sores or wanting to nourish dried skin um because the saint john's wort's also great for eczema muscle pain neck pain sciatica tension headache bruises um the really beautiful and interesting thing about St. John's Ward as well is that it's been known for traditionally and then from herbalists that I follow, they've experienced it being really amazing for sun care and damage prevention. It's got a mild SPF as an oil externally. I really want to um, emphasize that this is external use, not internal use. Um, don't go out, you know, in midday sun thinking this is going to protect you if you've got really fair skin. But if you're not wearing sun cream at all, you're one of those people that doesn't and you just want a mild SPF, um, you could try it out and see how you go. Please be, uh, use your common sense here. Um, but I use it as after sun care. So if I've been out in the sun and I come home and then I've had a shower or a wash or something and I'll put this on in the areas where I've got previous sun damage on my chest and my face um, or where I might have got a bit of sun all over my body. It's a beautiful self-massage oil for all of the reasons I've listed. It's also great for menstrual pain because of that nervous system relaxant and a beautiful postpartum recovery herb, especially around the womb area, but just overall to help mama calm the nervous system and um, nourish herself in that way. It's a great wound healer also. So there's some of the um, beautiful medicinal qualities that it has. Um, now I'm going to share a story just before I wrap up because I do want to make this somewhat brief. I could go on and on and on, but this will give you a good introduction. Um, so recently I was doing a second treatment for a postpartum mama. I saw her not long after her most recent and fifth baby and she had a surgical belly birth and we did some work and some massage and a castor oil pack. I think she was at six weeks, five or six weeks then. Um, so it's a couple of months later and she's having some symptoms that aren't fun, physical symptoms, so um, lots of muscle pain, some nerve pain, some possible nerve damage from the epidural, the spinal that she had with the Caesar, and then probably some scar pulling and needing some scar remediation. 
So I went around and um, gave her a treatment and a part of that treatment was the scar remediation with the St. John's wort oil over her scar, which has healed quite well on the outside, but I just felt for deeper layers very gently um, and then worked on areas Need I did some releases as well. So I, it, this is a part of a holistic treatment that I did with her. Um, and I started off working on her abdomen, womb area and the scar. Then we went to other areas of her body. Then we came back to that area. And really interestingly, I used St. John's wort in a few areas of her body. And then I used mugwort oil in others. Um, when I came back with St. John's wort again to do some more scar remediation, she at one point went, whoa, because, oh, actually the first time I was there, I was like, how does it feel? And checking in, she's like, oh, I can't really feel much. Oh, yeah, no, there's a slight bit of like aching there but she mostly couldn't actually feel much when I was working on the scar then the second time when I came back within the same treatment um she went whoa I just got pins and needles all through the scar line like through most of it and especially in the mid part of it which indicates blood flow coming back to an area um and then she started getting more and more feeling so that's how quick it was um and there's so much more to that story and I might do a separate podcast on actual client experiences with the postpartum treatments that I do Um, but herbal oils are more and more becoming yeah a really major component to the the hands-on work that I'm doing with mamas so that was really beautiful Um, it also opened up like referral areas where she was getting dull pain Um, so it really worked on those muscle areas and gave her a lot of of relief in that way and she messaged me the other day I was like oh I want you back in two weeks (laughs) I want more so that's really beautiful feedback so I'll finish up by explaining the products that I've got and um, how you can purchase them or message me to inquire about them more if you're interested so I've got just the pure oil um, in a little 30 ml bottle because a little goes a long way um and at the moment that's $30 and um like I said it's in the really high quality olive oil and then I've also got a tallow balm where I've mixed the oil with the tallow um and that's $20 and so it really depends on what you want it for if you're addressing quite acute nerve damage nerve pain um then you might just want the oil but if you're using it for more like things like the eczema um the to prevent cold sores to do the sun care damage prevention um and it's going to nourish your skin at the same time um then I would go the tallow balm because the tallow's got that nourishing component to it too and you'll be able to rub it in and the I do believe the tallow will take it quite deep but the olive oil still goes very deep our skin um, just soaks in oils and there's a beautiful aspect to rubbing on anything that's fat and oil based um, into our skin and like I said I do keep my oils very sort of real food traditional western a price um, style so the tallow and the olive oil there I wouldn't use anything that I wouldn't ingest and to be honest a lot of the massage oils I wouldn't ingest um yeah so that's it that's my little podcast on St John's Wort thanks for listening I will pop up um, links I'm going to put photos to the plants 
um, that I took when I was on my trip before I made the oil and I'll take, I've got pictures of the oil and I'll put all that up so you can see that um, if you ever want to try to forage yourself and, and just so you can see that, um, that get that connection to that whole journey from um, learning to actually harvesting or IDing, harvesting and processing that this is not something, this is not a product where I just bulk order wholesale from a herb supplier. Some herbs that have been sitting around in a warehouse for like a year or two and have lost their potency. This is as fresh and as seasonal and as connected as you can get. And I really think that's, um, that's where it's at. That's the origin story of um, using plants as medicine. And the more and more we can try and get back to that and use um, herbal products that have been created in that way, then the more we're going to feel and experience that potency. Um, although St. John's wort, it is powerful, but it's also really gentle. Um, it's one that I would use on babies for relaxation massage too, for young children, children of any age before bed to help the nervous system relax and to get a good night's sleep. So yeah, feel free. I'm working on an online store at the moment. I'm kind of rejigging how I'm going to sell things. But at the moment, what you can do is just message me on Facebook or Instagram um, on the Heart Hearth Earth um, pages and tell me what you ask any questions and tell me what you'd like to buy. And I'll just send you a really quick link that you can click on and just pay. So it's the same as going to a website or just bring up all the details and you can pay however you want. I've still got PayPal at this at the moment, although I'm probably going to transition away from that. So I do have PayPal um, and there's other options too. Okay. Well, I hope you've enjoyed that. Um, I'd love for you to share this podcast with anyone who you think may get something from um, learning about St. John's Wort. And I'm always really interested in hearing from people about their experiences with St. John's Wort. Oh, I should also say that traditionally St. John's Wort was known um, and is often thought of by people, um, not traditionally, but in a modern way, um, commonly, sorry, as an antidepressant when taken internally. So you'll even see it in the chemists, you'll see it in a lot of um, herb shops or health food shops, you'll see vitamins or capsules or in herbalists maybe tinctures to take St. John's wort internally for depression. Um, and there is some great studies there, but I don't use it like that and I'm not going to talk about that too much. Although I will note that if you use St. John's wort internally in this way in tea or tincture, that it can actually create photosensitivity where you become more sensitive to the sun, which is interesting that when you use it externally, it has the opposite effect. Um, and yeah, there's all sorts of contraindications there with using St. John's wort internally. Um, it can build up. You should use it intermittently. You shouldn't just use it willy-nilly. You should use it under the guidance of an experienced herbalist and it can interact with other medications as well. Um, so yeah, don't just go buying it off the shelf and using it. It's good for certain types of depression, which is covered a little bit in some of the podcast links that I'll share. All right. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's no surprise that when it comes to health, nutrient-dense foods are my priority. However, let's be honest, we don't always get the balance right. So when it comes to supplements, I like to use whole foods too. My kids and I have been using Saturay's liver and oyster capsules alongside the greener pastures cod liver oil for quite some time. 
as a way to support our immune systems and ensure we keep our A, D, E and K vitamins up. You can check out my affiliate links in the show notes as a way to both support this podcast and yours and your family's health. Thanks for your energy and time listening. I hope you gained something from this podcast. All the links from the show are in the show notes. Please share with friends and family if you think there may be something here for them. Till next time, many blessings.